Hello and welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers, the Superintendent of Schools for the Aleph Independent School District. Thank you for joining us today as we have a conversation on on uh, kind of what's next considering our midterm elections were last week and the results of those elections have taken place. Uh, what are things now that are uh, that are out there that, that not only educators but people who have a vested interest in public education, what can they do next? And we have kind of switched the roles today. It was... Um, it was suggested by uh, my executive assistant, Ms. Jessica Liao, uh, that perhaps we ask some questions of myself in my role and in, in, in my attempts over the last seven or eight years in ALEAF to, to engage uh, educators into the voting process. So uh, instead of having a guest today, you have to deal with me. <laughs> and, and I apologize for that ahead of time. We did have a guest, but... Um, this 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 was suggested as a timely effort. So, I'm going to turn it over to Miss Jessica Leal, and she is going to she's going to run this show. Well, you know, this was a conversation that I thought about because you and I talk a lot about politics and what's going on, and you know, I, I get a lot of my information and even where to go to for information from you. So this was a conversation that I was going to have with you anyway. Now we just are going to put mics in front of us. <laughs> and some things we can't say, of course, <laughs> that would be behind closed doors. So we'll try and stay on that. But one of the things that I thought about, you know, I know that the kind of the the feeling last week was everyone was so rubbed up and we got it and we were like, get out the vote, get out the vote, get out the vote. And then that Tuesday was over with and Wednesday for the majority of us, it was like, oh, sigh of relief. That's over with. And then come Thursday and then thinking about it Friday, it's like, OK, well, what's next? I mean, we've we've gotten out the vote. We know who our elected and reelected officials are. What's next for us? And so when we started thinking about it, this is what the format is, because you've talked to us a lot as staff members to go out and vote. But more importantly, you want us to be informed voters. And I think that's what we've done. So. What's next? And when we started talking about it, you said, well, in order for us to understand where we're at, we kind of have to go back and see how we got here. Um, and I, I think in any, in any endeavor where you're engaging either groups of people or organizations or, in our case, educators and, and people who have a, a vested interest, an interest in education, uh, there are no new ideas anymore. And typically things... Uh, history tends to repeat itself, and and I think history is beginning to repeat itself in in what's going on in public ed across the state of Texas. So just a, a, a real quick trip down memory lane, and for those who remember this, and for those who don't, I hope it puts some of my f- my comments I'm going to make a little bit later. I hope it puts them in the context. I don't for any I'm under no illusion, or I don't want I don't want to to uh, to come across as what my positions or my opinions are, are fact. I mean, are, they're my facts. My, my opinions aren't, but they're, but things that I believe in. Um, there are other ways to do it, and there are other ways of accomplishing it. So I'm, I've been doing things just the way H.D. Chambers knows how to do it, and at least from a gut level, uh, feels as though that would be a, a, it would resonate with other, other people. So just real quickly, uh, as it relates to the election. And whether educators know this or not, their their lack of their lack of activity in the election process, and more importantly, their lack of education and knowing what what's at stake in elections, have, in my opinion, have manifested itself over the last 
couple of decades, 20, 20 years or so. Uh, as a matter of fact, if, if the last time that educators actually had an impact on any election was probably in the 1984 time, ra- time frame when Governor Mark White mm-hmm. uh, was governor. And for those that were around back then or recall, uh, I was in college, so it's not like I was in the profession, but I recall this. And then in, in obviously over the last 34 or five years, I've read about it and studied it. But the governor at that point made some decisions uh, that were that were that it had an impact on public education. Some of them were actually positive impacts to this day still have an impact on public ed. Uh, But without getting into the details, a couple of things he did infuriated the teaching profession. Um, And as a result of that, on those couple on the, on on the teach on issues such as teachers having to take a test to prove they could read, write and add, subtract. And, you know, how he was going to compensate teachers, whether it was merit pay or some other form of compensation, it got the education community up and they were educated. And as a result, they voted and they had an impact not only in the primary elections, but in the general election. Well, fast forward to, to today, uh, I would argue that the, the, the educators, not just teachers, but educators, all of us, have lost sight of the role that we can play in, in the election process. And, and I want to want to be very clear. People vote for a variety of reasons. They, they vote. They, they there's there's other topics. There's other issues, whether it's social or financial or maybe you just the way you were raised. But there's a lot of different issues that drive people to vote the way they do, uh, whether they vote Republican, Democrat, Independent, you know, it, it, Libertarian doesn't doesn't matter. But as it relates to education, I've just been trying to regenerate that enthusiasm for lack of a better word for for educators to pay attention to what's going on around them in their profession and you don't have to look but you, you can go back to the to the early 80s uh, when that happened or you can go back to 1995 with Senate Bill 1 or you can go back to 2013 with House Bill 5 there have been these little milestones over the last 25 or 30 years where people did get engaged and when they did things happened Right. Positive things happen. When they don't, nothing happens. And people and, and those in elected positions tend to stop paying attention to their desires because and let's just be honest, uh, an elected official, regardless of what world that role they're in, whether it's at the local government, the state government, the federal government, when it comes to the politics, they're they're attempting to be reelected. Exactly. And so they're gonna talk to the people and pay attention to the people who are gonna vote. So not only did I want educators to vote, but I wanted educators to be informed. I wanted them to know this: the consequences of either not voting or the consequences of them voting without understanding the issues. Again, related to public ed, it's not partisan to me. It's not. It's not a. Um, it, 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 it's political because it's in p- politics. I mean, we right. can't avoid that. But it's not a partisan issue because both sides, the R's and D's, have plenty to brag about as it relates to education, but they also have plenty to be. Uh, to run from. Well, we didn't get here because of one party. We got here altogether. Yeah, and I, I think that you know one of the things I think we as educators have to understand is is not it. The lens that people look through it is is that the Republicans are bad for public ed and the Democrats support public ed. And there's some truth to that, but there's also a whole lot of unfilled in issues that both parties are culpable of. And and you know I have conversations with 
people who are diehard card-carrying Democrats and people who are diehard card-carrying Republicans. And, and I look at them, I said, you know, both of your parties are to blame. <laughs> There's no, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't either one of you think that you've cornered the market on being friends of public education. Right. So anyway, that's a long-winded res- response to the, to the history. But I, I think what we have learned is educators, if they vote, can make a difference. And I'll, I'll end by this. Uh, there are a little over 700,000 adults in the state of Texas who are in the education profession. Teachers, principals, counselors, custodians, bus drivers, maintenance employees, uh, you name it, from right. all of them. If those 700,000 ever decided um, that they wanted to participate in a primary election, for example, Republican or Democrat, doesn't matter, uh, their votes, if they were to vote in a block, could control who, you know, who's on the ballot during November. And their votes in the November general election could, in many cases, control um, statewide leadership. Why the education profession hasn't exercised that authority, that, that, that power? That strength in numbers? That, that power, uh, it's beyond me. But uh, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to change that. And I'm not, like, like I said, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to change it from one party to another. I don't care about political affiliations or parties. What I do care about is making sure, as it relates to my profession and everyone who's in this profession, an education profession, is I want people to be educated. And when they go cast a vote, they know what they're getting and they know what their, their vote's being cast for, again, as it relates to pub ed. Okay, so as, as voters, now we've voted, we've gotten into the election. We have so much information coming at us from different sources. You've got social media, you know, all of that. Some is the fake news and some is a real. Where would you direct people to find information for to be an informed person? Well, I think the first thing, and this is the hardest thing, the first thing you have to do is you have to know what are the what are the issues? Like what it's one thing to go find information on a candidate. It's another thing to identify what are the actual issues you want to know about that candidate. So, for example, in education, there are some hot topics over the last 10, 12, 15 years that have divided a lot of a lot of the education community. And it's divided a lot of us on political lines. Uh, So one issue, for example, would be uh, vouchers. So if if you're a public if you're in public ed and you don't know where your state rep or your state senator, or your lieutenant governor, or your governor candidate, if you don't know where they stand on the idea of vouchers, and this is not a debate about vouchers, but I'm just using it as a a very real example. If you don't know where they stand, um, then you you need to go back and either look at voting records on those issues, to your your question about how do you know, uh, in today's world of, of the internet and the availability of information on the, on the, on the web, you can look up individuals and you look at their voting records. You can specify what topics do you want to know how they voted. There are ways to, to, to gauge that. If you're an, if you're an educator, you, I would, I would be as so bold as to say, if you're questioning some positions of locally elected officials, talk, ask your superintendent, ask, ask leadership in your, in your district who should be paying attention to those things and should be, in my opinion, should be providing at least some, some rudimentary, uh, some, you know, some information without getting into persuasiveness, 
just sharing facts, sharing information about right. about the issues. Uh, so I, I guess the before you before you're seeking this or before I tell or before we ad, ad advise as to where do you get the information, you need to know what questions to ask because what's what's real, what's a real issue, and then what's not. Um, again, I use vouchers because it's been a very polarizing topic, and there are people who have drawn lines in the sand in some cases politically that. Uh, that have created some 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 pushback. Uh, you can just you can you can look at uh, on the school finance spectrum of the chapter forty one, which are your recapture or your, i.e. your Robin Hood districts, paying some of the money in which their taxpayers put into the school system back to the state of Texas to be redistributed to districts who are are poor based on the state's definition of a rich or poor district. Those are topics you probably need to know where your legislator stands and where where he or she. Uh, has voted, and if they have not voted, if they're new, if they just was elected last week, then you need to contact their offices, and you may not talk to him or her, but there are going to be staff, you know, staffers and aides that are going to be well, very well versed in these ta- these controversial issues, because they know very well this is going to be something that that rep, that senator is going to have to make a decision on at some point in the future. So. Um, again, your local school district, your local leadership in your district should be able to help you with these education-related issues. And then if you want to know how your, your representative or your senator or your governor or your lieutenant governor or your attorney general, you need to, to contact their offices. And I would reemphasize this. I've been a part of this process of building policy at the statewide level and working with various individuals that I've come to know what makes them tick. In other words, I know what they react to. Right. They react to voters. And when someone calls, and for those of you that listen to this who think your call doesn't matter, and I will tell you the most effective way to get your voice heard um, short of voting is calling and talking to someone. And like I said, you may not talk to the actual member, the, 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 the actual rep or the actual senator, but there are individuals in those offices who are paid and they are monitored to make sure they take the, the issue down and they share it and they voice it with their with their member, their their representative or their senator, uh, it doesn't get thrown in a trash can. It doesn't get thrown in a in a pile and never addressed. Uh, they're not in the business of ignoring voters. Right. And with with the the, the attention that's being placed on these issues nowadays, um, they're they're going to pay attention. So those are the areas in which I would. You know, you, you've gone from you, you kind of frame this with we a lot of people got excited, went out and voted. Um, and, I, and I'm extremely, extremely proud of the educators across the state of Texas who, who did vote because there is no doubt that the educator vote made a difference in many, many races across the state. Um, some they, you, the educators have no idea how important their vote was. Um, but this 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 enthusiasm that was built up to vote and now what do you do with it you have to do the same thing you did before you voted you have to become educated so right. now now take it to another level if your representative is hd chambers then you call his office and you find out where does he stand on this this and this in addition to other issues you may be curious about and and you tell them that you're going to hold them accountable and 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 here's the biggest thing if you do that you better be a registered voter <laughs> right. You better be. You better have demonstrated that you vote, because if you if you call them and you threaten to not vote for them, and you're not even a registered voter, and you haven't voted, because they know, right? They're going to check. First thing they're going to do is, okay, 
is uh, Jessica Leal. Did she vote in last election? Nope. What about the one before that? Nope. Well, then I don't have to worry about her because she's not going to vote. She's just, yeah, she's just she's spouting just, off. Right. So because there are a lot of people new, you know, you have those young voters out. They're brand new to voting and they have that energy. I mean, they they there is a new enthusiasm in them. So they're going to find those issues, hopefully, and get the information that they need so they can make an impact, whether it be, you know, I just. The thing with me is, is are we just waiting for another election period or do we continue, you know, come January when the legislative session starts? Well, I would I would hope um, and I'm going to do my the best to the best of my ability. I would hope that there's a continuation of that of that, you know, that enthusiasm. Now, here's the 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 realistic side of it. An election is a culminating event. It's, It's a milestone. It's a it's a gatekeeper, if you will. It's something you can look at. And you can you can say, okay, I'm going to work, I'm going to be educated, I'm going to go vote. But after November sixth, all of the effort that you put into that, you you've you've it's culminated, it's done, you did it, and you can sit there and check that off the box if you want, or check that box and say I won't vote again until the next election, or you can follow up and make sure that all the work and all the effort that you put into making a decision as to who you voted for or who you didn't vote for that they actually follow through with what your expectations are, which goes to this conversation we're having right now. I would hope that everyone would be as engaged as possible. Uh, in Texas, this, this legislative session, there's going to be two critical issues that's going to be discussed. One's going to be safety, rightfully so. There is going to be a tremendous amount of, of not that there hasn't already been, but there's going to be a tremendous amount of testimony and research and bills filed that have to do with trying to protect students and staff members on our campuses in light of, of, of recent events. Um, that's going to get a lot of time and of attention. And again, it, it, it deserves it. So you, as a, as a voter who was enthused about the vo- enthusiastic about voting, well, now you want to know, okay, who did I vote for on that particular issue? You want to get engaged and know, you want them to know what your opinion is. Or at a minimum, you want to monitor that elected official's response responses and what, what positions they take on school safety and make sure they mirror yours. And if they do, then, then you did your job as, a, as an educated voter. If they don't, then you need to make them aware of that. Um, the other issue is going to get a lot of attention is school finance. And it seems like this is a never-ending topic. But uh, 2019 has an opportunity to, to, to correct some 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 things about the way we fund public schools in Texas that has a way to correct it and 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 not only increase funding but increase it, increasing funding in the right areas with the right outcomes being desired. Um, the biggest problem in school finance, and I know this is not a school finance topic, but one of the things I hope voters paid attention to as it relates to school finance is that our state has set um, some pretty aspirational goals for our kids. And for our public schools, right. And and while I don't I don't qualm at all with the aspirational goals and the standards that have been put in place, I think most of us who do what I do for a living qualm with the limited lack of resources to actually have a chance to achieve those goals. So it's uh, to me it's a it's pretty simple. You know, if you want this desired outcome, then you put the resources and the sometimes it's money, sometimes it's not money, but you put the necessary resources in place with the necessary amount of time to accomplish your goal. You don't set your goal and then feed about half of your resources to it 
and then get upset when you don't accomplish your goal. Right. And, you know, I had a good friend of mine explain it to me. He says the way the state of Texas has fund public schools and the voters don't really realize this, but it's a, it's akin to getting in a car in Houston and being told to drive to Dallas and they put enough gas in your car to get you to Waxahachie, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's about what's what's happened. So issues like that, I would hope that the voters who got excited about voting would follow up on because both the money, the school finance, every single one of us are impacted by that. Absolutely. If you own a home, you know exactly what I'm talking about because your school taxes are the largest part of your property taxes. If you don't own a home, I will assure you your landlord is passing along those taxes uh, to you in the form of rent or lease, leases. And... If you're a business owner, then obviously that's cutting into your bottom line. So if, if you're not paying attention as a voter beyond the election and you're not paying attention to these issues, then uh, you only you only your impact was great during the election. But your impact on actually getting policy done and policy uh, crafted in ways in which you personally want, you're, you're not taking advantage of the power you have. Right. And and that brings us to a, a good kind of topic we talked about. I said enthusiasm versus activism. So we've had all this enthusiasm. Now it's kind of our opportunity to get active, like you said, calling our elected officials, letting them know, doing the research on where they voted in the past. And then there's newly, newly elected officials that haven't voted and, and researching some of their background and, and stand on the issues. Um. So so let's let's break this out for a second. And I've thought about this since you mentioned it a few minutes ago. Activism in many people's minds liken it to like protesting or to bring attention to an issue and the only way to bring attention to that issue is to make a scene. Right? I mean that's a lot of people that's what they you know, you have these community activists. Well, right. In many cases, not all, but in many cases, some of the strategies of activists are to bring attention to an injustice or to something that they believe is is not being addressed. And in many cases, they may be right. This is not about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. What this is is, is that activism versus protest, and in my mind, related to your question or this topic, uh, there's a huge gulf between the two. Right. The greatest form of protest and the greatest form of protest known to man is not walking in front of a building holding a sign or having a bullhorn screaming at somebody or or sitting down and making the police pick you up and that that's that's not even act that that's a form of protest but it's not the most effective form of protest the most effective form of protest is at the election box it's voting absolutely it's voting that's where your power is and and again I'm repeating myself but if if this profession of educators wants to take the power and use the power for good as it relates to education, it's going to happen during elections, both the big elections when the presidential election is on the ballot and the midterms. And there, there's no, <laughs> I say this a lot, uh, well, in light, of, in light of today's politics and the way things are, are happening across our country, the decisions made on election day at your local level have a much greater influence over our lives, both professionally and personally, than what happens at the, the national level, the federal level. Now the national and federal level gets all the attention, but you need to, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna 
you're going to act on things, you need to be prepared to, to know what's happening at the local level. So this, this question about activism versus being enthusiastic. Enthusiast, enthusiastic activism may be the perfect way to, to approach this <laughs> as, long as, as long as your activism is getting, getting the results you want. And that's where people have to be smart. And I'm going to re- again, I'm going to repeat myself. If you want to be smart and you want to get results, then you're going to have you and everyone else who's a registered voter contact your locally elected, elected officials. And you're going to tell them this, these are the positions that I believe and we support. And if you don't, we're going to hold you accountable for those. Not because I'm going to come sit in, not because I'm going to scream and yell at you in a restaurant. Or I'm going to hold you accountable the next time you're up for reelection. And if people do that, and they do it consistently on on a variety of topics, not just education, but if they do that, um, they're going to be listened to. There's going to be a there's going to there's a, the impact of those phone calls and the impact of those messages continually are going to have an uh, are going to have an impact. You mentioned the the elected official that's been there forever and has a track record versus the 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 person who just got elected. You probably have as much. Um, with that newly elected official, if you have done your homework and you know what the big issues are going to be in public ed, school finance, school safety, you could get out in front and you could be making phone calls right now to their offices or to them saying, these are the things I believe are important related to these two critical topics. Um, you know, you could say, if, if that's not going to be a topic, then I would like for you, Representative so-and-so or Senator so-and-so, for, I, I would request that you take the lead on this particular issue. Those are those are how you 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 have a from an activist perspective. That's how you you get activity to take place. Right. Activism is trying to drive activity. If you want activity to take place as a result of your quote unquote your activism or your enthusiasm, that's how you do it. And so, um, I'm not saying that there's no room for more formal forms of civil disobedience, <laughs> <laughs> but but in this conversation. That's typically not what. That's typically not what gets. We want effective yeah, activism. You, you know, yeah, you, you, well, effective has to be defined by do you get what you're asking for, right? Do you, you know, you told me um, not too long ago about a group that turned their enthusiasm to activism, and uh, it was a group of moms that you told me about that formed. They put their powers all together, and now. They're almost a force to be reckoned with in Austin where people come to them and talk to them about issues they have. Now, they started out as a, a group. Um, I guess their enthusiasm was, was it accountability that drove them? No, it was. Um, so you bring up a good example. We'll, we'll use we'll use TAMSA as an, as an example. So TAMSA stands for Texans Advocating for Meaningful Student Assessment. And, um, you know, you've heard of the Hell Hath No Fury like a scorn woman, a woman scorn. <laughs> Hell hath no fury like a group of moms who feel, Mama like, bears. Who feel like their children are being um, mistreated, for lack of a better word. Uh, so, yes, in um, early uh, 2011, 2012, and, and I don't want to get into a policy history lesson here, but the issue that got the attention of these mothers, and most of them are in the Austin area. Some are here down here, Spring Branch, a couple in Leaf. Um, a couple in Louisville, the north, the Metroplex, North Texas area. Some of them got involved in and concerned because they all had eighth and ninth grade children who were getting ready to, to take a test, which we at the time was called the end of course exam. It still is. Um, and there were some requirements. There were some requirements on the 
the end of course exams and the number of them and the amount of weight that those tests were going to have on these kids final average in a class the moms began saying wait a minute there is way too much emphasis being placed on tests my daughter or my son is much more than a test score they didn't they didn't argue with tests none of us argue with them they're they're we've been testing kids in school since the beginning of time uh, but their their point was you mean to tell me my daughter or my son is going to have you know a certain percentage of their entire school year based on this one test when all the other things they were doing are not going to count for nearly as much the answer was yes at the time and then they asked you mean to tell me we're going my ninth grader is now going to have to take 15 exams in order to graduate high school in addition to the 24 they had taken from the third grade through the eighth grade? And at the time, the answer was yes. So they came together as a group of moms, and I don't mean to leave the dads out, but quite bluntly, there were no dads in the conversation at the time. And um, they came around and formed and created a 501c3, I believe it was, created a board of directors and began receiving some funding and... Um, hired a lobbyist and began crafting their message. And I got involved with them because at the same time this was all happening, it was kind of like the perfect storm. There was a group of edu- a group of superintendents that had simultaneously said, okay, enough's enough. Um, the curriculum that we were exposing kids to was a curriculum that was designed simply for kids going to a four-year university. And the number of exams that were being placed on these kids' heads um, again, while we, we understand and I support assessment to, to, to use to measure students, this was this was out of control. And so the, we drafted a piece of legislation. It got supported, and the moms came along and says, we want to tag team with you guys. And that's how the relationship between many of the educators and TAMSA established. So TAMSA began going across the district literally traveling across the district, speaking in various regions of the district, encouraging parents, not just moms, but encouraging parents to get more involved in their school's educate kids' education and to watch what was going on at the state level. Because all this stuff that was happening policy-wise at the state level was trickling down into their schools. And if the schools weren't saying much about it, then the parents would never know. Right. And so these parents began trying to take that power back. And the way they took it back was they garnered at, at one point, and they they had five, six, seven thousand parents signed up on their on their database. And whenever any issue came up to be voted on that either supported or opposed their positions, they would <laughs> they would send out a go get them right. or, or go support them, depending on the issue. And the and they would wreak havoc, and I mean that in the nicest of ways. They would they would put all kinds of pressure on locally elected officials in doing it by the ways I just talked about. They would call, they would call, and they would say, if you don't do what we support, we will hold you accountable. And at, the, at that time, they had enough credibility, they had enough um, influence, and they had enough numbers to use to use this this pulpit, if you will, to make their case. So that is, and, and to this day, they're the, they're by far, I don't know by far, but they're they're one of, if not the most powerful parent groups that are around, and they've identified what their issues are, and that's what they concentrate on. 
and they hold people accountable. And sometimes they get what they want, what they desire. Sometimes they don't. None of us, none of us are. Um, I mean, I'm not naive enough to think that everything, every idea I have, or everything that they have is the right thing to do. Right. But, but as a general rule, we have an idea of what we think is right, not only for the students and the staff, but what's right for Texas and what's right for preparing kids for our economy. And the and the moms have identified the lane that they they make the most influence the impact on, and that's where they've stayed. So that's an that's an example of a very effective, a very successful group. Another one is the is the parents of special education children who have organized in the last couple of years and and has actually brought make significant, significant changes to um, to the special ed process and the special ed programming in the state of Texas. And uh, that'll be a topic that we'll probably have a conversation on in another podcast in the future. But that's another example of parents finally waking up, if you will, and realizing this is what's happening to our children and getting involved. And they've gotten the attention of not only the state, but the feds. So back to this notion of, of groups and activism versus enthusiasm, these are two examples of their enthusiasm made a difference. The moms, they got the number of those exams reduced from 15 to 5. They got a new graduation policy put in place under House Bill 5 in 2013. And make no mistake about it, while me and some others had some, had, you know, a lot to do with it, those bills were passed because of the moms and the business community. Uh, they weren't passed because some superintendent thought it was a good idea. They were passed because these moms came together, they were educated, and they wielded their authority, which was, this is what we want, it's reasonable, it's the right thing for kids, if you don't do it, we'll hold you accountable at election day. And they went to those elected officials, just like you told us in the beginning. They made the phone calls. They made the meetings. They were in their offices. But as a matter of fact, they made so many phone calls to the governor's office towards the end of the legislative session on a piece of legislation that the, they shut the phone system down. <laughs> thousands and thousands Just and thousands. Like you said, don't don't d- mess d- with a cub of a mama bear. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you don't, no one, no one walked out in the streets with signs and picketed and protested. They did it the way in which you get results. And this is the way you get results. And that's important for all of us to know. Like I said, after we've taken that break, after they like we took those couple of days off, and then you start thinking, you know, me as a, my children are already grown, graduated out of public schools. I have a, a grandson. And, you know, I didn't see myself. I thought, okay, I'm doing the right things. I'm involved in their organizations. And that's great to do. I never, until I started working um, around public ed, thought of that as something I needed to be involved in because it affects our children. It affected my children. And back then I wasn't as active as I am now, maybe because it's not being, like you said, educated and knowledgeable in what affects them. I thought I was doing my job. I was going to, you know, serving on the boards and doing all that stuff, but taking it a step further. And I'm encouraging my daughter who has, you know, I'm dragging her to things and, you know, trying to give her the information. And that's why I thought it was important to have this conversation for people like me who are, I think we're doing enough, maybe taking a step further and getting more involved and being more active. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm extremely proud, extremely proud of Ailey ISD and their staff and the community. Um, the staff demonstrated not only in this election, but in the primaries back in March, um, that they were listening, and that that they were they were attempting to 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 become educated voters, and just the percent of the increase in the number of 
voters in this in our school district is is demonstrated that. But like you said earlier, there's not a there's not a there's not a um, there's not a magical way of doing this, short of what I mentioned earlier, short of organizing and being and being smart about it. The sometimes we're not smart. Sometimes I'm not smart. We're not. We're, we're but some. But when someone gives you a roadmap or a blueprint as to here's how to do something and this is proven to be effective, um, if you don't do it, then it's it's your own fault. And I'll I'll, I'll share this with you. Every community, I don't care, A-Leaf, every community has two prized possessions. And it's their children and it's their money. And a school district deals with both. Um, in some cases, the prized possessions are not necessarily in that order, you know. <laughs> but that's two things that communities value is their kiddos and their money. And we deal, as a public education entity in A-Leaf and others across the state of Texas, we deal with a large sum of money of taxpayers. We obviously deal with 5.4 million of their school-age children. We deal with $60 billion of the taxpayer money in Texas in public education. Why a voter in Texas would not want to know about the policies and the issues that are impacting the two most prized possessions in a community their children and their money, and be aware of that when they vote is beyond me. But I don't, I don't think many people look at it that way. I don't think they look at, they don't see the relationship, or they don't, they don't see the correlation in my vote on Tuesday, November 6th, with a piece of legislation that passes two years later. Absolutely. They have no idea, but no, no connection to that. And quite bluntly, I don't think, I don't think most of us do. Right. However, if you just narrow it down to these two issues, these two big, big issues, your money and your kids, and you pay attention to that, and you, like I said earlier, you, you, you hold people accountable for, for either votes or behaviors or comments, um, th- that's when you start making a difference. And that's when you become, in my opinion, an educated voter, is when you, you know what the issues are and you know why you're doing what you're doing. If you're running around you know, like with your hair on fire and the only reason you're doing it is because your hair is on fire, then you're not making an impact. But if you run, if you, if you run around and you make decisions based on facts and based on issues that are important to people in a community, that's, that's when you, that's when you, you know, that's when it becomes no longer, um, it's enthusiastic, but it also becomes a difference making. It becomes effective. Again, you get to the out, uh, the definition of effectiveness is achieving your desired outcome. Well, if you know what your desired outcome is, that's how you that's how you achieve it. Well, we could go on and talk like all <laughs> for hours about this, and I know you will in in future podcasts. But I want to thank you because I these were questions that I had that I I know friends of mine had and other staff members and even people that didn't work for us. You know what is what is our next step in in after this huge huge midterm election? What can we do to keep that ball rolling? And um, to be supportive and and get our voices heard, education, of course, is what we're talking about. But in other areas that are important, healthcare or, or whatever is the issue that you want, I wanted to be able to talk to people about where you could find that, what should be your next steps, and to keep moving forward. And I know that you're going to be talking about things that impact Ed um, in future podcasts. But I think this was this was really really very informative. So thank you. 
good. I appreciate it. And, you know, I think the, the hardest, the hardest, one of the hardest um, tight ropes to walk in this conversation for me is, you know, kind of keeping it as factual based as possible and, and not bleeding over into partisan politics or persuasive, persuasive politics one way or the other. And um, I think that's, that's where educators have to, in my opinion, have to be um, be smart enough to make your own decisions when you vote, and don't let others don't let others influence you. Don't let a, a political party influence you. Don't let a you know don't let things that you may or may not believe in in the media in, uh, uh, influence you. Make your own decisions. Uh, I was told when I was young, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a mistake, let it be your own. <laughs> you know, let it be your own. Don't don't make a mistake because you listen to someone else when you knew you shouldn't do it. So. And, and you do tell us that you're like vote, but being an informed voter. So, all right. Go. Well, very good. Well, we're gonna. Uh, first of all, Jessica, thank you very much. This was you're actually a lot better than I am at, at leading a discussion. So there may be a demand by <laughs> to replace. Uh, just like uh, riding a bike, you just get right back on it. <laughs> yeah, you've done this a few times. <laughs> yeah, if y'all don't know, she this is she's a she's a professional. Uh, seriously, she's, she's been, she's done this before in the, in the, in the media world, but no, I, uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, it was, uh, hopefully it was helpful, uh, whether I know, hopefully I answered your question. If nobody else had them, then I made my notes, <laughs> you, got, you got your answers, <laughs> but, uh, we're going to, uh, thank everyone for, for listening again. Hopefully it was helpful. I think this conversation could apply anywhere in the country, not just in a leaf or not just in Texas, but, uh, Thank you for joining Impact Ed today. I'm H.D. Chambers. Join us next week on our next uh, podcast when we're going to have Dr. Bob McPherson. He's the dean of the College of Education at the University of Houston main campus. And we're going to have a conversation about one of the most critical issues facing public ed right now, if not the most critical, and that's the shortage of teachers. If you don't believe there is a shortage, then you don't need to look any further than your local school with the number of classrooms and the number of, of courses being not being filled by certified teachers across the state of Texas. So thank you very much. Have a great day.